risk capacity is saying that, you know, I understand you might be comfortable with risk, you know, because you've been a long-term stock investor, market investor. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of your life, do you have the capacity to suffer those potential losses or, you know, kind of ride that roller coaster at this stage of your life? So risk capacity is many times more important than risk tolerance. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hello and welcome into the Retirement Success Blueprint. Thanks for tuning into the podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. And this week on the podcast, understanding the different types of risk is our main topic. And we'll get to that in just a moment, but let's welcome in Mike. How you doing, my friend? How are you? I'm doing great uh, post Thanksgiving, so things are going well. Yeah, stretchy pants come in handy, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, elastic waistband. All yeah, that. exactly. Good. Good holiday. Yeah, enjoyed it. Just you know, kind of low key with the immediate family, and you know, just waiting for the day that things get better. There you go. Well, let's uh, let's dive in and start talking about our show this week. I got a news headline I want to run past you. Uh, get your take on that before we get to understanding the types of risk. Uh, DoorDash, uh, Airbnb. Uh, Roblox? Roblox? I'm not familiar with that one. It's an online game platform. Uh, and Wish, boy, that's an interesting thing, which is an online e-commerce platform. They're all expected to go public before the end of the year, uh, IPOs, or early 2021. Any thoughts about these companies as an investing standpoint or just in general? Yeah, as an investor, I've got zero interest. Uh, when you know, Anytime that private equity and venture capital firms, because all these are companies that have been funded privately, Okay. Any, anytime that private equity and venture capital firms are trying to kind of dump their private investments on the public you know, via an IPO, their initial public offering, why would they if they think that great things are ahead, you know, that these companies are going to double in value over the next couple of years? Mm. Well, why would they want to get out now? And if you look back kind of at history, you know, think about 1999. You had record IPOs for all the tech firms. And then what followed with that? Yeah. Many of them just the following year crashed 50, 90%. Many of them like pets.com, but others you know, even went out of business. In 2006, 2007, Wall Street was selling off all of its real estate holdings and the debt to the public. You know, so letting the public hold the bag at the end. So by the time that a lot of private equity and venture capital firms come out and say, hey, look, we're going to let you in on this. Many of the gains have already been made. Now, it doesn't mean that these won't be successful companies going forward. What it just means is in the near term, these private companies are trying to get them off their books, take their gains. So as an investor, you have to be careful. So these are trades, they're not investments. You know? So if you've got some risk capital out there, win or lose, it won't change your financial life, then you know, go for it if that's the kind of excitement that you want. But if this is your serious money, just let them go. Anytime you're an investor making an investment, you have to ask yourself, how does adding or subtracting this from my portfolio bring me closer to my long-term goals? And if it doesn't, it might be sexy and it might be fun, uh, but you're going to have to pass on. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I like that take on it too. We see names sometimes and we think that might make it make it a good thing. Uh, Airbnb, that one seems a little strange, obviously, since COVID the way it's been. But DoorDash <laughs> kind of made sense. Everybody ordering food, uh, things of that nature. So it's certainly a good take to stand uh, to take on that. So I'm glad I got your opinion. And uh, hopefully that'll help some of our listeners as well. All right, so let's jump into our main topic this week, and that, as I mentioned, is understanding the different types of risk. Often, Mike, when we talk about financial or retirement types of risk, 
typically people's mind goes to what they think is basically the only one, and that's market risk because it's the big daddy, and I get it, and it's the one that kind of it's the you know the one that gets all the eyes and the attention and so on and so forth. But there's multiple other kinds. There's actually more than the five we're going to go through, but I just picked five here. So let's just start with market risk and and dissect that one a little bit before we get to some of the other ones. You might be surprised at some of these other ones. Yeah, and, and when you hear market risk, I mean, you're right. That's exactly what people think about when they think about risk. You know, the the loss of money. Uh, I always speak, even on the podcast, about risk tolerance and risk capacity. And that's where market risk really comes in. So risk tolerance is, you know, mentally, are you prepared for it? You know, can do you understand markets go up and down, you know, by a lot many times? Risk capacity is saying that, you know, I understand you might be comfortable with risk, you know, because you've been a long-term stock investor, market investor. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of your life, do you have the capacity to suffer those potential losses or, you know, kind of ride that roller coaster at this stage of your life? So risk capacity is many times more important than risk tolerance. So, you know, a good litmus test when it comes to market risk would be just go back to March 2020. Right. So in a matter of three weeks, markets dropped about 35%. Right. So if you were heavily in the market, you might have lost close to a third of the value in less than a month of your portfolio. So what I would say from a fire drill standpoint, a litmus test is, how are you feeling at the end of March? When you got that you know, quarterly statement, you got that, and you saw that you were down 20, 30, 40% plus, you know, with no signs of how quickly things were going to rebound, were you feeling still pretty good, pretty confident in your overall plan? Or we're like, holy cow, I didn't realize how much <laughs> risk I was really taking. Because that should be how you begin to assess it. You know, the time to fix the roof, it's when the sun's shining, not during the storm. So if you're not properly allocated and you've been fortunate enough to kind of ride this rebound back, right now, now that things are back to about where they were, maybe even up a little bit, is when you want to take a look at the amount of market risk that you have in your portfolio and make sure that going forward, you won't have to live through something like that again. Okay. All right. And so that's market risk. And obviously that's the one we often think of. And there's a lot of components to that we want to consider, like Mike just illustrated for us. So we'll keep moving along here on these types of risk today. Uh, interest rate risk. I think a lot of people just don't think about this one unless there's some major movement by the Fed, for example. Yeah. And interest rate risk, most people just kind of think about, you know, what's the bank paying? You right. Know, are rates going up or down? What the Fed say? And even that, but most people, you know, if you ask most individual, and I don't care if you've got $5 million with us or $5,000 with us, most people couldn't name the Fed chairman. You right. know, it's just, <laughs> they really don't care. And that's okay. Cause that's why we have a job. So most people assume, you know, since they're not really borrowing money in retirement and that, that interest rates really don't matter. But what they don't understand is that the changing in interest rates over time in their portfolio. And I'll give you an example. Let's say five years ago, you know, you had, you had most of your money in the bank and long-term CDs earning 4%. And now that CD is coming due, it's maturing. And now that bank's willing to pay you half a percent, maybe fortunately 1%. So you've just taken a 75% pay cut on the interest. Now, if you were closer in retirement and you were counting on getting that 4% plus interest, and that was going to help supplement your bills and help pay your bills in retirement, what's your plan now? Mm. You know, so that's a big part of interest rate risk. Some people look at, you know, what happens to price of bonds when rates go up and down, you know, get all kind of wonky and technical on that. More importantly, you know, for our practice, it's all about cash flow. So if you're going to be, you know, I guess, relying on interest rates, be it from interest, dividends, whatever types of fixed income products you're looking at, 
you need to make sure that you've got that laddered out so that everything's not possibly coming due at the same time. Because if interest rates are higher, great. You've got something coming due, you can invest at a higher rate. If interest rates are happen to be lower, you know, and that is interest rate risk, well, only some of the money's coming due at that time. So only a small portion of your income is going to be impacted. You know, so that's that's how you manage interest rate risk. Okay. Very, very good. And this next one, Mike, here, number three on the list is one that, you know, I we all know about inflation, but I don't know that sometimes we really understand the risk that it poses to us. I, I often say that in you know inflation's like calories. We're all aware of it, and we all know you know what it can do to us. But sometimes we just well, most of the time we just tend to overlook it. Yeah, inflation risk. The, the key on that is you know you, a lot of people have their normal fixed income, so social security, pension, kind of some guaranteed sources. You know, mm-hmm. if you're fortunate enough to have a pension. So where inflation risk comes in, and this is especially true for somebody that wants to retire early, doesn't mean you can't, but it's the inflation component is what you need to be aware of. If you're retiring and in your earlier mid-60s, you may have a 30-year retirement ahead of you. Right. What, what that means is every 15 to 20 years, the cost of living is going to double. So if you take a look at your retirement income today, between all the sources, Social Security, pension if you have it, and even just taking income off your portfolio, let's say you need $75,000 a year for your family to you know, live now early in retirement. Well, that means that next year, everything's going to cost a little bit more. In two, three years from now, a little bit more than that. And when you get now into your mid-70s, even go close to 80, 75000 is not going to cut anymore. You might need 90000 100000 if not more just to maintain the same lifestyle you are now. So you need to have some sort of growth component, something that can provide a rising income in retirement to keep up with inflation. Because all inflation is, is cost of living. And we know that that goes up. Think about what you paid for your first house. Think about what you paid for your last car. Many times your last car was more than what your first house was. <laughs> That's so crazy to think about that. Um, that definitely is the case. You know, we, and with inflation, I mean, like I said, we all know it's kind of there, but we just tend to not think about how it's going to affect us long term uh, until we're like at the store and we're just complaining about a gallon of milk or something like that. So certainly something to keep an eye on there. Another type of risk is tax rate risk. Uh, and I would assume, Mike, for most folks, they don't really think about this until, you know, basically tax time versus about thinking about it ahead of the time saying, hey, how can I make sure that I'm going to try to pay as little as taxes as possible by as we talked about many times on the show, planning all year versus just prepping. Yeah, and in our practice, and that's one of the beautiful things about having kind of a CPA and staff and having a tax practice within our four walls, in addition to the financial planning investment management, Mm -hmm. is that we don't just kind of kick it down the road and say, okay, well, go talk to your tax person. We are the tax person. So what we typically do is we want to put a plan together that isn't about just how much can we save in taxes this year. It's about over the next 5, 10, 20 years, over your remaining lifetime, how much can we save you in taxes? So it's about being proactive. It's about having a tax plan, you know, not just tax preparation, putting last year's numbers in the right boxes. It's about tax planning. A great example is kind of what's going on right now. Two things. One, we just had a presidential election and there's a lot of calls that, you know, taxes on capital gains are going up, that, you know, the exclusions for estate planning are going to go up there or go down. There is concerns about, you know, tax brackets going up. So even pushing that aside, you know, not, not that it's not important, but pushing the, the new Biden presidency aside and some of the things floating out there, we'll see what happens over time. But even without that, the tax cuts that we just got in 2017 called the TJCA, you know what they call the Trump tax cuts, those are set to expire for individuals on January 1st, 2026. So just four or five years from now. 
So which means that all tax brackets are going back to where they were just a few years ago. Many of them are going up three, four, six, eight percent. So you have a limited window right now to actually have a tax plan put together so that you can minimize and take advantage, minimize the taxes you pay over your lifetime right. and take advantage of the fact that we're near historic low tax rates because they're going up whether sooner with the Biden presidency or just because they expire in 2026. One of the biggest things a lot of people don't realize, most individuals, you know, in the nearing retirement, 50s, 60s, 70s, most of their assets are in pre-tax accounts, your 401ks, your IRAs. And what they don't realize when they get that statement that says they have a million dollars, they don't really have a million dollars. If they're in the 22% tax bracket, 780,000 of that is their money. 220,000 of that is the government's money at today's tax. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they don't show you that, you know, what your tax liability is going to be. So let's say rates go up, tax rates just go up to 28%, because that's the 22% tax bracket. It's going to become the 28 in a few years. So at 28, you no longer have a million dollars. You now have seven hundred twenty thousand dollars. So yeah. you have you know nothing has changed, but Uncle Sam has become a bigger partner in from a tax perspective. So you need to be proactive and plan for it. Yeah, you know it's kind of like with the uh, corporate tax. I think the conversation was to go. It's at twenty one now. I think talking about going back to twenty eight, which is, I believe is where it was before. And sometimes you might look at that and say, well, it's only seven percent, but it's actually a thirty or thirty three percent roughly um, increase into the amount of taxes that corporate companies are paying. So, you know, sometimes don't look at it just, you know, from that simple number of, well, 21 to 28 to 7. There's, you know, that hidden factor, that extra oomph, I guess, from the percentages as you break it down, it can certainly take a big bite out of things. And I, granted, that's the corporate side, but still you can extract that same information when you're talking about it from a personal side. Exactly. Uh, okay, so the final one here on our types of risk is really the one that uh, kind of just adds a whole mess of stuff to all the rest of them, and that's longevity risk. Again, we all know we're living longer, but do you think about the fact that all those other kinds of risk get compounded by the fact that you're living longer? Yeah. If you retire in your 60s, there's a very high percentage chance that you have another 25 to 30 years in retirement. You are going to be retired almost as long as you are a working adult. So what longevity risk is, we call it a risk multiplier. And the reason is because if you think about the risks that we talked about, even some of the ones that we didn't, the longer you live, the more likely there's going to be several large market crashes. You know, we've already seen three in the last 20 years. So if you have a 25, 30 year retirement, you can expect the market to get cut in half two, three times during that time frame, just mm, how it works. Wow, yeah. The longer you live, you're going to see interest rates go up and down. The longer you live, the cost of living goes up. That's the inflation. The longer you live, the larger share of your wallet the government wants from taxes. The longer you live, the more healthcare risk you also have. So longevity risk is a risk multiplier, and your plan has to account for this. You know, we talk every couple of weeks about our retirement success blueprint, our financial planning process. Where's your retirement income coming from? How much risk should you take? No less, no more. Manage your taxes mitigate the effects of long-term care on your portfolio, and you have the right documents in place for when you're living and when you pass for estate planning. So that's having a plan. That's what addresses all of these risks. Most people think that you know their advisors and brokers should just be talking to them about their investments. No, talk about your market risk, your interest rate risk, your inflation risk, your healthcare risk, your tax rate risk, and how do all those tie in with longevity risk? That's having a plan. 
And that's the types of risk that we were talking about today. And so that retirement success blueprint, as Mike mentioned, uh, just reach out to him, have a conversation if you have not done so yet, if you're not already working with him at 815-526-3092. It's 815-526-3092. Crystal Lake is that one-stop shop with, as you mentioned earlier, a CPA, an enrolled agent, paralegal, all these things there to help you get through these financial planning processes. The Retirement Success Blueprint, again, available to you at 815-526-3092. You can also find them online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And while you're at the website, don't forget to send us an email question into the podcast. We take them from time to time here and do those on the show. So let's see what we've got from Harold in Chicago. He says, uh, Mike, I'm still working and plan to work for at least another two years, but I'm now old enough to start taking Social Security without being limited on how much income I can earn. Is this a recommended strategy? So I'm guessing he's what, full retirement age at least then? Uh, Yeah, I think that that, that's a good observation. So uh, Harold, here's a few factors for you. First, that means, as Mark said, that you're 66, 67 years of age, depending on the year you were born, which is your full retirement age. Full retirement age is on your social security statement, that big bold number on page one, uh, that's how much you get if you wait until 66, 67. Uh, What it also means is you're able to earn as much as you want as far as working without what they call an earnings test on your social security benefit. So for those of you that aren't aware, if you claim Social Security before your full retirement age, so before 66, 67, two things happen. One, you're going to get a reduced benefit, which is less than that big, bold number on page one, because you're taking it early. Second, you're going to be subject to what they call an earnings test, which means that for every $2 you earn above about $18,000, so this is, you know, earned W-2 type income, the Social Security is going to claw back a dollar of your Social Security benefits. So if before full retirement age and you're taking Social Security, and let's say you earn another $30,000 plus at a job, then Social Security is basically going to take back all of your Social Security. So whether you're at full retirement age and you take it or let it continue to go, uh, as far as Harold goes, there's really three things, Harold, that I would ask you here. So we're assuming your full retirement age, so, so the earnings test doesn't apply to you. The first thing is, why do you need it? Do you need it for current cash flow to pay for today's bills? If so, I would kind of also ask that if you need it to pay for today's bills, then when the paycheck's gone in a couple of years, you might actually be better off waiting to take Social Security because it'll be a larger check in the future. Because if you're having a hard time paying bills right now, Social Security will help. But when the paycheck goes away, do you really want to take a reduced benefit from what you could get? Mm. Second, what are you doing with the money? Are you paying off the mortgage before you retire, paying off some other debts so you can go into retirement debt-free? That might make some sense. Third, do you have a spouse? This is critically important. One thing that a lot of people don't think about. There's two benefits. One is a spousal benefit. So your spouse, when he or she receives, uh, reaches full retirement age, they could potentially get half of your benefit or all theirs, whichever is higher. So of course, the bigger your benefit, the better it is for them. And in the event that, Harold, you were to pass, the surviving spouse gets the higher of the two Social Security benefits. So if Social Security is going to be a large part of your household income, if something were to happen to you, Harold, and let's say that you're married, then you may want to have the larger Social Security benefit by waiting a little while so that your wife could have that. You know, it may or may not apply to you. You know, Carol, we'd have to go a little bit deeper on that. We've got software that runs through that, shows you what your break even is, whether you took it at 62, 67, 70, and coordinates that with your spouse too, so that you're making good decisions based on math and science and not just somebody's guess. 
All right. Great question, Harold. Thank you so much for the email. We certainly appreciate it. And that's going to do it this week for us on the show. So if you have some questions about the types of risk we covered today or a similar question as Harold, Again, before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional like Michael Stewart at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, 815-526-3092. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. and you get That way you get uh, updates on future episodes as they come out. You can find it at Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, various different outlets. Uh, just look for Retirement Success Blueprint. Just search that in the box and, and uh, of each app, and it'll pop up there for you. Or you can just find it all at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Mike, my friend, thanks so much for your time this week. I appreciate it. Talk to you here in a couple of weeks as we close out 2020. Yep, we'll talk to you just before Christmas. Sounds good. Folks, take care of yourself, stay safe and sane, and we'll see you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.